Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. We're going to start the show off with some Taylor Hollinsworth. It's a song called Devil and Me off his album Tap Dancing Daddy. After that, Johnny Havard and I are going to talk morality and comics.
And so where to start? Well, I'll tell you where. We're going to talk about morality. And we're going to start with uh, the comic book world. Because uh, Johnny's fairly proficient. Eh. Yeah. yeah, you can say that. <laughs> so Johnny, I dabble. I dabble. <laughs> so Johnny, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. It's, it's good to be back, really. It's a... Uh, it's good to be hanging out with you again. I know that. I'm telling you, man. And we used to do this all the time back in the day. Yeah. Then you had to go and be Mr. Big Shot and move. <laughs> to a smaller town. To a smaller town. <laughs> yeah. But you it Big happens. Shot you. It happens. <laughs> We're talking about that, though. Uh, I think that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. I think that sums it up for us. Is like if people were to get a better idea of demographically who we are. Yeah. Is you and I are both from the South. Oh yeah, absolutely. The deep south. Oh yeah, we grew I'm up. from I'm from deep Mississippi, like um, a deep enough to be in the backwoods, but not deep enough to be out on the Gulf Coast. So, which is a different environment. <laughs> and, I, and I come from a more northern part of Alabama, mm-hmm. but I moved down here to this area to Mobile, which mm-hmm. the area Johnny's talking about is is about thirty miles north. Yeah, um, but. The echo chamber of the South remains the same. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And for people like us, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't really pan its way. Right, right. Because uh, what we're looking for is, in this echo chamber, is people who believe um, ideologically, mm-hmm. religiously, mm-hmm. and who want to do, do what their father did. Oh yeah, that's what they want to do, or or what their grandfather did, or what their family did, and there's always a sense of legacy. It's always, um, and 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 that being said too, with uh, just the difference between me being in Mobile, I suppose my hometown in Loosedale, Mississippi. Uh, I mean, even though we are literally we're sister counties, uh, the 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 environment and the community around is just so it's vastly different. Um, you know, it's just it's another thing. You know, as far as Mobile compared to Loosedale, is so much more progressive, and it, it does feel like a completely different environment for the most part. But the, but like you said, there is still seated. There is still that. Um, I guess you call it heritage mm-hmm. of uh, the way the communities and the people around it grow up in. Absolutely. Yeah. Same thing. Like when I left Kennedy, I left with a guy that I grew up with. We graduated high school. We did the community college thing. And then he decided he wanted to go to the University of South Alabama. Yeah. And I wanted to go to the University of Mobile. And so mm-hmm. we'll get an apartment and we'll just, we'll try it. Yeah. And the biggest thing about that for us, for both of us, was the idea that we were about to step outside of the echo chamber. Oh, yeah. For the first time. And, like, not a big deal because we just left the north side of Alabama for the south side. But just like you said, there is... There's a thought about Mobile that lends itself to the idea of being progressive. Oh, yeah. And artistic in a way that there's enough people here that you can lose yourself mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. And there's also a chance that you might make something of it. Yeah. But it won't be your start or finish point. Yeah. It's only a stepping stone. Yeah. I, th- I think so. Now... From what I've seen, just the short time of me actually living here, I mean, I've been coming to Mobile all my life. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I was growing up, coming to Mobile, if we were coming to Mobile, that was it was kind of a privilege. It was kind of a big thing. 
like if we we were going to a movie, if we were going to the flea market, if we were doing anything like that, that was that right. was a big thing, you know, because we didn't have any of that in my hometown. The biggest thing we have over there is a Walmart. We didn't even have that. Yeah. <laughs> we know. had a caution line. We yeah. had a post office. <laughs> yeah. We had a gas station. Yeah. A barber shop. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a Walmart was two can- two towns yeah. over, you know? <laughs> well, uh, I guess Lusto was a little bit pr- more progressive. <laughs> yeah. 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 As, as far as having a Walmart. Yeah. yeah. I read uh, when I started college, the second time I started college. <laughs> when I started college at, uh, at South Alabama, when I, I was... Uh, when I left the prison, I, I was a prison guard. I wasn't in prison. I went. <laughs> I wasn't in. I wasn't in. I wasn't in prison. I wasn't an inmate. I was a. I was a correctional officer for the state of Mississippi for over five years. Yeah. Um, I was a prison guard. Um, when I quit that and I started school at South, I, I left that and pursu- to pursue a career and going to film school. And I was also uh, <laughs> I was also working at a comic book store too, which is another reason why <laughs> I'm here. Right. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, big, big, big change in the line. Yeah. Um, but I'll never forget um, in my first week uh, at college. I was in the English department at South. Yeah, I was on the second floor, and I had to, I had to take a shit. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, I had to go, and I yeah. I'm I'm not one of those that usually I'll I'll do that in a public place or somewhere, but I had to. It just it happened. It had to. I so I go in there, and I'm sitting in I'm in the stall, and I look, and I look to my left when I'm grabbing toilet paper, and right above the toilet paper console there is a quote that I took a picture of that says that said I don't know if it's still there or not, but it said. Only when you leave your comfort zone is when you truly begin to live your life. And I said, whoa. Because that spoke to me. Who would have thought that a little quote in the English department... In the shitter. In the shitter. (laughs) In South (laughs) Alabama would really resonate with me while I'm taking a shit. I don't know if it was because I was getting dizzy off my own fumes or what, but... <laughs> but it yeah. really did, because it did, because it spoke to me, because I, I did a career of something that I thought I was going to do, and I, the idea of going to college, being I was 24 when I started, when I went back to college, I was 24, and just the idea of doing that, going in as a freshman, it really did, it really did bother me. I was, I was scared. I left yeah. my hometown. I was going to be a college student. I was doing a new career that I'd never done before, working retail, that I wanted to really getting into because I love comics and I found out I was really good at sales yeah um and I uh I, I you know it just it, it really did it, it really got to me and I was like damn that's so true like I left my comfort zone yeah I knew it was gonna be hard and uh I you know and I started and to live my way life. to make it work yeah exactly exactly so uh, and, and that resonates with just so many levels it, it really does it's every level See, I was I was kind of pegged. I was in uh, JROTC in high school, so yeah. I was kind of pegged. But uh, but at the same time, I was still kind of under the radar with everybody until uniform day. And then everybody, yeah. everybody knew. Like, we <laughs> all knew. Yeah. That. yeah. But I kind of I kind of understand that. But I kind of wanted to branch myself out yeah. because I had cousins. I did because my family there's there's a shit ton of us, which is another reason why I moved from my hometown because I'm related to everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So uh, when I was in high school, you know, I had uh, one of my cousins. He was he was in he was in football, so I was friends with football players. Yeah. My other cousin, she was in band and in color guard, so I hung up with all the band geeks and you know everybody that was over there. Uh-huh. 
people that I'm still friends with to this day. Um, you know, I was in JROTC and just these different groups of people that I always try to, you know, wander around into different areas. Just, you know, and uh, I think that's expressed a lot of my personality as who I am now as far as uh, I don't cling to any particular group. I just kind of, One know. thing that, that rang true, the more I think about it, back to my high school days, uh-huh. is... Um, looking back at that 16, 17, 18 year old getting ready to come out of high school Mm -hmm. into the real world Mm -hmm. he had no sense of who he was oh yeah absolutely that's why I think like 18 is such a I know they say you're a legal adult at that age but I think a lot of it now it's just I'm like like, dude like you're still you know your brain doesn't start developing until you're 26 you know uh, and, and you know and I get that too and uh, you know you, you know eight people at 18 they join the military or they'll do they'll do this and do that and it's very benefit, beneficial to them um, you know even though there's a lot of things you can't do like they just recently updated the, the tobacco age to 21 now yeah you know I personally think if if you're old enough to join the military and serve your country and everything, you should be able to drink and smoke and do whatever you want to do. You know, growing up on the state line of Mississippi and Alabama, you know, uh-huh. Mississippi was always 18. 18 and Alabama's 19. 19. Yeah. And I remember when I turned 18, it was like, well, I'll just go to Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. You'll find a way. And then, like, with 21 now, mm-hmm. like, okay, it's the same as legal age. Yeah. Big whoop. Yeah. Because when I was 18... Mm-hmm. I had somebody that could get me whatever I wanted. Yeah, I bootlegged. I bootlegged <laughs> alcohol shit when I was 16. How how I learned how to drive was bootlegging my drunk dad across the state and county line so he can get... That's how I learned, that's how I learned how to drive. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, kind of the same experience. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, real. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then when I turned 21 and it was legal, I was kind of over it. Yeah. Well, I still did it. Yeah. But then you have, when you when everybody else found out, that was another thing, too, like with people you went to school with, yeah. if they found out that you turned 21 before they did. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Hey, man, you want to go to this party? Yeah, right. dude, I'll come and hang out. All right, hey, we're going to give you some money. Can you buy booze for everybody? Oh, I see why. And then you uh, get invited to more parties until everybody else starts turning 21, and they're like, hey, yeah. you know, yeah. hey, what's up? Oh, we don't, don't need this guy. Going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so Johnny and I, we, we became... Friends and became boys uh, through a job. Oh, yeah. Um, Heritage. Uh, cheers to that. Cheers, cheers, oh, yeah. cheers, cheers to Thank them. you, Caleb. It's a great, good company. Yeah. We, uh, we Enjoyed my them. time there. Enjoyed mine, too. I learned I learned a lot. And, and it helped the job that I do now uh, at the hospital. <laughs> that, that, that job probably helped. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, doing inventory and doing supply chain and everything. Yeah. yeah. I'm an inventory coordinator now for uh hospital. Out great. So, <laughs> I guess so. I'm going to take a quick break. I'd like to plug Monson and Brothers. You can go to monsonandbrothers.com and check out all they had to offer. Just a couple of things that I would like to plug are the soap. Uh, for my beardos out there, we got balms and oils, but with the soap, that's kind of a universal thing for dudes. Got one with olive oil that'll rehydrate the skin if you deal with uh, dry skin. And then for those really hot Mississippi days that are coming, we got a charcoal activated soap that will literally pull that Mississippi humidity out of you to get that sticky off. Now, we're going to go to Black Betty. This is my buddy Joshua Cosby's um, moniker for his latest project. This is a song called Poor Kids Millennia. 
So, you have derived a lot of the way that you interact with people from those books. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I, what I've said before to people is I've learned more about how do you um, about different people around me. I've learned more about um, you know more uh, mortality, like we were talking about morals and everything. I, I've learned more through comics and and cartoons and where cartoons based off of comics. Uh, or comic book characters than I did from you know a lot of people significant family members growing up. Um, and you talk about prejudice, uh, living in the South, uh, where we you do have to deal with that. It, you know you do you're born in the families or you're around people that you know subjugate people that look different or act differently from your family. You know and, what has um, always sucked the most about prejudice. Mm-hmm. 
is like even if I don't buy into it, mm-hmm. I'm subjugated to it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I felt that a lot, you know, and, uh, you know, and a lot of it is, you know, well, uh, well, you gotta, that just gives you the drive to act more to, 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 to prove that you're not, you know, um, like with me, like how I learned about it was, um, learning the, you know, learning the, the moral code of, um, you know, you don't you don't judge somebody, or you don't mistreat somebody, or you don't hate somebody because the way because the the way they think differently from you, the way they look differently from you. I learned that from the X Men, and that's when when Stan when Stanley and um, and Jack Kirby came up with the X Men was during the '60s, was during the Civil Rights. That was the idea of it. Was it was a way of expressing um, to everybody about prejudice. Um, the two main, uh, I'll say the two main figureheads in the X-Men universe, Professor Xavier and Magneto, were uh, a lot of people have compared them to Martin Luther King and uh, Malcolm X, like yes. as far as their ideologies and everything. Yes. And that was, that was the big thing. Professor Xavier believed that everybody, mutants and humans, can all live in harmony together and understand one another and we can work together to make the world better. To whereas Magneto believed that the mutants were the next superior step, race, were the superior race and the next evolutionary process of the uh, Homo sapiens, and the Homo sapiens who are not mutants should worship or serve, yeah, or they and they would eventually, or, be or they would be eventually, they would eventually be um, um, evolved out, like Homo superior, the mutants would continue to evolve and become right. and then homo sapiens would be obsolete so I, I learned that from um one from the the 90s animated cartoon that came on fox kids which is uh later when i got into the comics which i have collected which you can see over there uh, is is also my favorite comic book artist jim lee uh who is the ceo uh, or the editor of uh dc comics now uh that was the book that that book is the broke the Guinness World Record for the uh, most the comics Cyclops sold. up top. The, the Cyclops and the Wolverine cover. And funny story about that one too, that X-Men number one, that was the first time that they had um, to where they did the variants, to where they had an, one issue, like a, uh, the number one, where it had different um, uh, variants. There was different <laughs> images of the comic. Yeah. And what you can do is, if you can look at the comic, you can hand me the comic. Yeah. And if you can see, like, uh, Cyclops and Wolverine are both facing this way, uh-huh. and there's Iceman in the back, um, they're shooting, and right here, and what this is, this is Magneto. And so there is another image over here of Magneto. Uh-huh. And then behind Wolverine and Cyclops are the rest of the X-Men. And what they did was they took this image, so you see here, Jim Lee, who was the artist yeah, that did it, and Scott. Scott, Scott Williams was the inker that did the inking and everything. Um, there is a full, this is a full image. That was the first time that they did that. Wow. Yeah. I, I actually have a, a, you know, it's, I wish I had the rest of them collected, but I don't, unfortunately. Um, but that was the first time they did. That is, that that comic, that line broke the world record for uh, most comics sold in 1992. Um, that's when Marvel, their sales went up. Uh-huh. Um, but also, but yeah, uh, X Men definitely. That was, you know, that was one of the things that was definitely one of the moral compasses for me uh, uh, growing up. Here's the image. Yeah, the image right here. Um, see what they did was this was all one image, 
and they broke each one down into a different variant cover. So there's the, like you said, the the Wolverine, <coughs> the Wolverine and the Cyclops. Which is what we just looked at. Right, there and then there's, there's, so there's one uh, variant of just Magneto, and then there's one of uh, Rogue, Colossus, Gambit, and Psylocke. Um, My which, favorite Gambit. Oh, yeah, yeah. This this was kind of his, when he came into the, the team here. And this is actually, this run of the X-Men is the uh, the run that they branched or they used for, for the Deadpool. animated no for the animated series the cartoon oh. show and this was the the design they used the design for the characters and everything and the team lineup from this series so, which I guess is what makes it feel homey when I see it you know oh yeah you see it and you definitely you get that like me like I look at this or I look at any of this artwork from the comics or really any of Jim Lee's work. And I immediately just remember, as a kid, you know, just connecting with it. Connecting with it immediately. And I guess that's the thing about, like, with with comic books, like, you take Dragon Ball Z or, like, what I was saying, X-Men or Uh those cartoons I grew up watching. There was always something more that I took away from it that I couldn't put my finger on until it Mm -hmm. got later. And it wasn't anything that I could pick up from society from the folks that were around me right right it's definitely an escape it lent itself for my mind to go to a place to where it'd be like okay Mm -hmm. difference is not a bad thing yeah absolutely and that's that's the thing about X-Men and um I'm a I'm partial to DC Mm -hmm. yeah same extremely partial to Batman same yeah, if, uh, if you can tell from yeah. my collection. <laughs> yeah, but like with X Men, it's like I hold a special place because like I, I love that show as a kid. Oh yeah, because all the differences like they were all different colors. They all had different things to bring to the table. They were all from different places. Yeah. They were all from all not only in the U.S. but different parts of the world. They were all from all these different countries and. Um, and we, about it. Yeah, and it was also really cool, interesting too. Um, from from being from the South, you mm-hmm. know, and then you see a character like Rogue. Um, she's from Mississippi. Yeah, she's from uh, uh, which fiction. happens to be one of my favorite characters for that reason. Yeah, and, and she's you know, from where I am. And then we, you know, I remember watching watching the episode, and I was just listening to her voice, and I'm like, oh, and then later on, I grew up. I was like, oh, she's from she's from uh, it's a fictional town, but. She's from Mississippi. Yeah. You know, and she's, you know, she's quoted it in the show, and then you see in the comics, too. And then you got Gambit. Gambit's from Louisiana. New Orleans or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he's a, you know, his name is Remy LeBeau, yeah. and he's French Cajun. He's the Raging Cajun. Yeah. Um, Love that character You know, well. you, don't, you don't see a lot of that in other characters. You don't see a lot of other car- comic comic book characters from, you know, from the South. Yeah. I mean, there, there are some. But, uh, but, you know, that was, for me, the introduction for me. To, I was like, oh, this is cool. She, you know, she sounds like me, you know. Yeah. You know, and the voice actress that the played her, too, I think she did a good job, too, my, my personal opinion. There's some people that are like, oh, that was so fake. But I'm like, dude, I don't care. Yeah, like, it's fine with me. You know, you know something. But, uh, but yeah, uh, like you said with DC, uh, I'm more, I lean more towards DC. Uh, Batman is... My favorite, my favorite fictional character, um, I, I do. I mean, I do have several other ones, but he was definitely, uh, still is one of my, my favorites. You know, as far as, you know, um, following the story and the character and everything. 
the thing about Batman to me is it's not only him is like what separates him from mm-hmm. most. Oh yeah. Is that his power wasn't in a bottle. No. It's the thing that makes Bruce Wayne super as a superhero classified as a superhero. It's his his ambition, his drive to cuz everything like him being Batman is a mission. Like mm-hmm. his he has a mission. He says I have to complete the mission. His mission is to protect and save the people of Gotham. Mm-hmm. And what makes him super, what makes him stands out between any other human is uh, his ambition and his drive to complete it. Um, but yeah, the money helps, obviously. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, But he used the money to his advantage. You know, Even if he didn't, I've made this argument before, if, if Bruce Wayne came from a middle class family, I, I think he still would have been able to come to some level of where he's at now, honestly. You know, I think because it's just his drive and his ambition, his determination to do what he needs to do is just so strong. Like none of that none of that's an object to him. You know. Right. But I mean that does help though. You know, and he said he said it himself in the comics. He said, you know, uh, it's good to have this, you know. And I don't want to take anything from you, but yeah. uh this is one thing that we said before we started recording mm-hmm. is uh, I agree completely is mm-hmm. the difference between a lot of superheroes mm-hmm. and Batman mm-hmm. and Superman yeah is that they don't become super when they step into the costume they become themselves yeah yeah that's that's always the intriguing thing about Batman to me personally uh I mean you got um uh, I'll throw one example out, like Spider-Man, Peter Parker. You know, he uh, he got bit by the spider mm-hmm. and he became these powers, so he created a suit to become and create, to, created to be this persona. See, Bruce Wayne, when his parents died, when he was eight... That's he, when he died. He died. Bruce Wayne died. The kid died along with his parents. And at that time, that's when Batman was born. Mm-hmm. So when, he, when he's in the cave, when he's in the suit... When he's, you know, staying up all night, when he hasn't slept in over 24 hours because he's working on a case and Alfred's bugging him, telling him, hey, look, Mr. Bruce, you need to go to sleep. You need to eat something. He's When he's in the cave, he's doing all that. When he's in the streets, when he's in Gotham, he is himself. When he's being Bruce Wayne, the Playboy, Playboy billionaire, that's an act. It's a persona. Exactly. It's, um... You know, he's pretending to be somebody else. It's it's completely alternative to everything that you think about a role of being super. Right. That's what makes it Right. Super. Right. And that's <laughs> that's what a lot of like the um actors comic book fans, when you go to look at the actors that have portrayed pray, portrayed these characters, mm-hmm. like um and I'm I'll say it once and I'll say it again. I and people are gonna probably break me over the coals. But I loved Ben Affleck as Batman. I liked it too. Yeah, I, I his portrayal. I think he did a fantastic job. Um, because I wanted more. Yeah, because I mean, I, I, there's there's a difference between when he's at Lex Luthor's house and he's pretending to be Bruce and a he's talking to Clark. Yeah, that's he's doing the act. Um, you know, and, and you know, and there's, there's, I will, I will say this too. Christian Bell, I think he did a, 
a, a decent job at doing that, doing that also, um, for the most part. But I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but my whole point is, is there's a, um, there's such a, 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 you know, and they've had stories. <laughs> any comic book fans gonna know what I'm referring to? But an identity crisis, and uh, <clears throat> of um, you know of these heroes, yeah. they all have some struggle or have some kind of you know uh, struggle that they have with an identity whether it's discovering themselves or trying to put on uh, blend in with the rest of their surroundings or whatever uh-huh. so you know it, uh, yeah, it's a uh, it, it's interesting when you really dip into it instead of just saying oh this is just this person that has superpowers and dresses up weird and saves people Right, you know, there's there's so much more to take away from it that people, a lot of people, don't understand. Let's go there. So, comic books kind of helped, gave you a bigger perspective and morality on the the whole culture yeah. as a whole. Oh, absolutely. Um, when I was growing up, um, I I didn't even hang out with a, another person that wasn't the same race as me until I was like in middle school. Because one, the neighborhood that I grew up in was, one, it was mostly my family, and two, it's just, there was nobody around. And and stuff that I was told by my family about these other people that I never met, it just, you know... Stuck with you. It stuck with me. And me not knowing as a child, that's just what I believed because that's what I was told. Because when your parents tell you something... Or you go to church and they tell you something. That's the way, that's, it, is. That's the way it is. That's the echo chamber. And but it, it gets reinforced time and time again. But because of comics and TV shows that I watched, there was always that little voice in my head that that told me something just doesn't feel right about this. And um, and I got older and and I will say to my my grandmother, God rest her soul, um, you know she was kind of that little voice in my head too that also. That also told me, you know, you know, no, you know, we're all created equal. You love everybody. You treat everybody the same as you want to be treated. So that 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 was also that stuck with me. Also, you know, that was also that was that one voice, um, out of a family that I listened to that you know was a good moral compass. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, she also she did embellish my comic books and you know my interest in that too um so and i think she understood too that uh you know the 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 moral compass that it also directed me towards so um so yeah it so but but the down but the the thing about it too like going into it and then like me trying to go out and you know and social anxiety of not knowing anybody you know just being completely nervous around all these different people that that I had no idea that I never interacted with. Yeah, it was really hard, you know, to to go through and, you know, I'm not saying I had had it rough or anything. But right. It's it like I just wanted to it's wanted just how to. It was. Yeah, I mean, but I just I just wanted to get along with everybody, you know, and I wanted to, and it just, you know, but even <laughs> even everybody, it was even my own family members, they were like, oh, he's he's a little weird. He's a little off. He's a little off. And that's what yeah. I got told a lot, and my teachers, my teachers. My teachers told my mom that, my parents that, when I was in school, when I got held back. I got held back in fifth grade. They said, he's a little off. He's, yeah. 
you know, he's not he's not progressing like everybody else. Yeah, and uh, they 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 I was the class clown or whatever. I was always doing Ace Ventura impressions. <laughs> I was. I was Imagine always, that. I, uh, <laughs> I was always, I was always drawing and not paying attention, and uh, I was disrupting the class because I thought it was funny because I saw stuff on TV that I thought was funny and it made me laugh. And yeah. I was like, oh, this makes me laugh. It makes me happy. I want to make everybody else laugh and happy. Okay. And you know, and I didn't realize, you know, and the teacher frowned upon that, and she got to the point to where she she isolated me from the rest of the classroom. Like I had my own little desk. She. She she put me off in the corner by myself to where she just so I won't bother nobody. That's what she said. She says so you don't bother anybody. <laughs> I didn't mean to get off topic. I'm no, sorry. no, you're, you're completely on. <laughs> yeah, it's just a special of X Men. It's like the idea of morality, even though that we look different and we're incredibly different. And it's mm-hmm. like we can interact. And as Professor Xavier, mm-hmm. belief is that we can all be. We can interact peacefully. Yeah, we're all in this together. We're all we're all fighting. We're all wanting to go through our lives and enjoy in the pursuit of our own happiness, and we can all do it together. You know. Yeah. Um, and I, I learned a lot from that too. And and uh, watching the the show, the cartoon as a kid on Fox Kids, and and then later on when I was a, I able to get my hands on comic books because we didn't have any comics where I grew up. You know, we didn't have a comic book store or anything. Yeah. You know, I had to. I had to. That was another thing, great thing about coming to Mobile. I came to came to Mobile and went to the flea market. I knew there was Mr. Steve, God rest his soul. Um, he um, he has a comic book store, yeah. so I go out there and I get quarter comics or dime comics or whatever. You know, and I didn't care. You know, when they were written or who drew them or whatever. Yeah. I just it was just having comics. I still got some to this day. I just have the accessibility of it. Right, exactly. It was just the, being the chance of having them, and and it really didn't matter what I grabbed. It was just I was excited to have it, you know, and have it and read it and learn what I could from it. So, um, but yeah, it, uh, but yeah, definitely, and not just the X Men too. I mean, you look at you, these other characters. It goes deeper. Oh yeah, I absolutely. mean, we we didn't even mention um, mm-hmm. one of your favorite from Marvel, mm-hmm. um, Daredevil, old, old blind boy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Daredevil. Um, for me, um, okay, and I'm gonna get raked around the coals for this one too. But uh, Daredevil, <laughs> how I got introduced to Daredevil was when uh, 2005, 2006, I think it was when the Daredevil movie came out with Ben Affleck. I, that's that's what introduced me to it, and I remember going to see the movie. It was on Valentine's Day too. Oh yeah, so I was a kid. Had a my grandmother in there. and my grandmother, the same grandmother, uh, she was the one also that always took us to yeah. movies and stuff yeah. and all that. Yeah. Um, so I got to do that. Even though what started my Batman obsession, I remember this is my earliest childhood memory. I know this is crazy, but the very first childhood memory that I have is I remember in 1994 or 95. Um, I was born in 91, by the way. Tells you how old I am. Um, the very first movie uh, my parents ever took me to go see uh, was Batman Forever, Val Kilmer, the Val Kilmer movie, um, and I think that's what started it with the, the Batman, with movies, Batman, uh, because I watched the animated series growing up too, because it had premiered in '92, and I yeah. watched it, I watched it on TV as a kid, um, and uh, but I remember that. 
but the Daredevil Daredevil was a uh, uh, was another character that I just thought was so cool. I mean, he was um, the red suit. You know, he uh, he was blonde. He had these really cool powers to where he can, you know, he had sonar detection. And I remember seeing the movie, and I thought it was just so cool when I was a kid. Yeah. And then also when they were advertising the movie, they were doing reruns of the Spider-Man animated TV show that I also watched growing up. That was on Fox Kids, and they were showing the uh, there was an episode where they Daredevil was in the show. And they showed the origin of Daredevil and everything, and yeah. they and they re-released the VHS copy of the show to uh -huh. promote the movie. And I got it when I was a kid. Yeah. And um, and that was another thing that really got me into it. So that's when I started getting into Daredevil too. And that's when I realized, oh, there's other, there's different comic books, and you know, and yeah. the movies definitely when in in '99 uh, and 2000 when the movies started kicking off, especially too when the X-Men movies came out. Um, that really reinforced, you know, that I was like, oh, they're doing movies of this stuff now, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, so uh, yeah, because I couldn't get the comics, but I knew if the movie came out, I can go and rent the movie, or I can save my money up and go buy the movie at Walmart or something. I'm gonna shift gears from talking about comics to wanting to become a comic. Oh yeah, stand and up. You, <laughs> yeah, and you alluded to it, yeah. but like. I want to spend some time like just what is comedy like like let, let's talk about that. Do you mean a philosophical way or do you mean a literal way? <laughs> like you, your take on it. My take on your comedy. Take. My take on comedy. Just comedy in general is. Uh, damn, you put me on the spot now. I'm telling uh, you. <laughs> Uh, well, this is just me, my take on it. Uh, all comedy or most comedy, uh, or you see, and even in, you know, the classic literature, comedy is branched off of tragedy. Uh, yeah. Comedy, a lot of comedy is birthed from tragedy. You know, and you, you know, and you hear a lot of people. You know, you you hear people say like, oh, this comic, he said this joke about this terrible thing. He made a joke about this terrible thing. We shouldn't laugh at that. Well, that's the thing. That's where comedy. Comedy does come from tragedy to an extent. Um, That's the thing. Is uh, one thing. Now, there's a difference in between, you know, being an asshole and. Levels. Yeah. There and, are and, levels. And, yeah, yeah, there are levels, absolutely. But for me, like, I make fun, like, the material that I've written and my bits that I have come from tragic things in my life that I have made comical. That's what I like, and yeah. that's where I take my comedy. It's uh -huh. like I am first, first do. Mm. I'm gonna make fun of myself before I make fun of oh. any of them. Oh, absolutely! And I will completely rag myself and you to can, death. And you and you can let people make fun of you also. Yeah, and I'm totally cool. With yeah, that. and you won't, you know, you won't get butt hurt. People can't, you know, I'll, I, I, at work, I'm going, dude, I'm going through something with this guy that I work with right now. Like, he hasn't spoken to me all week. He's yeah. barely said anything to me because last week, like, we rip, we all rip on one another. You know, yeah. you know, you, we do that. If buddies, you work together, you rip on, you bust each other's balls. We busted you know? each other's balls when we work together. Yeah, exactly. And look at us now. Yeah. <laughs> We're, We're still uh, busting but balls. But, like, like I, I, you know, we, we'd rip on each other and I said something to him and apparently it, it pissed him off. 
and you know he tried to say something back to me and then I just came right back yeah. with him and then he just he got all butt hurt yeah. and then you know which is ironic because he's the same guy that's saying well everybody's so PC everybody's so there's snowflakes everybody's getting butt hurt and I'm like dude you're acting Look the at same you. way yeah until I come at you you say that yeah so anyway that's that's neither here nor there but you know but yeah but comedy but comedy to me um it's it, it is a way of for people to to express to 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 show comedy in in uh, within tragedy, um, you know, and, and and it's a way for people to come together. Because I mean, the world is already there's so much that goes on the world. There's so much that goes on the people's lives. And if you're able to make somebody laugh through whether it's something that happened to you or didn't happen to you or something tragic that you can turn into something comical or you know, it's it's you know I, that's that's what it means to me. My comedy, mm-hmm. what I what I write to and what I display with my own jokes, mm-hmm. uh-huh. is it'll always be reminiscent of Mitch Hedberg and Demetri Martin. <laughs> it's like I will always be extremely observational. Oh yeah, see, and, and you can't get away. And from that's it. what and that's what people like um, people. You know, a lot of people don't understand too. And and that comedy, one comedy is subjective. Comedy is always going to be subjective. It's yes. going to be subjective to everybody. Um, there's also I, I'm a fan of comedy in general, whether it's prop comedy, observational comedy, dark comedy, whatever. Yeah. If it if it makes me laugh, I'm, I'm a fan of it. Yeah. You know, it's that's what comedy is. Yeah. You know, if if it's if you're entertained by something. If it entertains you personally, that's entertainment. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. So, um, you know, and me, you know, me with comedy, you know, there's there's some comics that I listen to. There's some people I like. I like I'll listen to Daniel Tosh, and there's some people like, how could you listen to him? I think he's great. Because I think he's there's he has funny stuff. He is so non PC. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's not even that. It's just his material, the way he delivers his yeah, it's, his setups, just the way he does things. And it's he's funny. not afraid to put himself in it. Oh, yeah, because he knows. He said it himself. He says, I say outlandish things for a career. I know there's going to be consequences. That's his shtick. Yeah. You know, that's what he wants to do. Now, that being said, there's a few, there are a few things that he said that I was like, whoa. <laughs> but, well, yeah. well, you know, again, comedy is subjective. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I love Joe Rogan. I like his stand-up. I love his podcast. I have one friend of mine cannot I, stand Joe Rogan. I like his podcast, and I'm not a big fan of his comedy. Yeah, see, some people are like that. I, I like you his, like his inquisitive, yes, talking like him talking to yeah. people instead of doing. See, I think he's. I like his stand up. I, I like his podcast more, but I, I mean, I I love his stand. Well, I love them both, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, even that when I was growing up, like. Stand-up comedy, when you thought about stand-up comedy, you thought of four dudes. Yeah. Foxworthy, Foxworthy Bill White, Ron Ryan, uh, Bill Engvall, and Larry the Cable Guy. That was it. Yeah. Um, not to take anything away from any of them. Uh, they were all... Blue collar. Yeah. Which is where we're from. Yeah, exactly. And that's what that attracted... You know the environment where we grew up in, because I could tell you when I was a kid, dude, I could quote for you the entire twelve redneck days of Christmas Jeff Foxworthy did. I could, yeah. I sang that every year when yeah. I was a kid because I knew it. Some people out there listening, like your parents, actually let you listen to that shit. I'm like, well, we, yeah, they did. <laughs> but, you know, and then I listen to them 
growing up and and I and I tell you and then deeper when I started really really getting into comedy and I started getting into all these other comics um, mostly because of my two best friends from Loosedale who I who I pretty much call my older brothers they're like my mentors they've kind of helped mold me into the person that I am today yeah um, when I started learning about Dave Chappelle, when I started learning about oh Sam McKinnis, and when I started learning about Bill Hicks. Mm. Bill Hicks changed my world, you know. Uh, See, you introduced me to Bill, and I'm, I still need more. Oh, yeah. But my goodness, when I got introduced to Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah. Dave Chappelle, it was just... The king of sketch. Yeah, yeah. His, it, it just... He just perfected the craft, he really did. You know, and I don't. I don't mean to say that as being pretentious or sound like I know what I'm talking about or like I've been a comic for whatever. I haven't even done an open mic night yet, but I'm just me. You know, just somebody that has dabbled into research and comedy or just yeah. comics in general. I mean, he just he's really he really has honed it. Like he just gets on. He'll get in, like, some places, like, he's not even supposed to be on stage. He'll show up, and he'll just get up on stage, and he'll just sit down, like, you and me, and he'll just, like, one of his specials, he's he just he's just sitting there in a bit on a stool, and he's just talking to everybody, and he's, uh, hey, has anybody got a cigarette? And they'll give him a cigarette, and he'll just sit there, and he'll talk. He, you know, a lot of times, he, he doesn't have anything written out. Yeah, he just... He just goes he's up. He's just funny. Yeah, he just goes up, because he just, he's perfected the craft. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I mean, even that, I mean, George Carlin was another one. George Carlin, if you haven't listened to George Carlin, George Carlin was another one, too, that just, you know. Now, Carlin is something like a, a Mount Rushmore typeface on comedy. Oh, yeah. I think him, uh, Bill Hicks, Richard Pryor, uh, if, you know, if there's a Mount Rushmore of comedy, I think they would, they, they would definitely be on it. Um, uh, yeah, Car- Carlin Pryor. Um, when I when I when I got more into comedy, when outside of the blue collar, mm-hmm. you know, guys, uh, and which I'll say this too, I love Ron White too. Ron White too, his stuff. The only one I don't find funny is Ron Inball. I don't. You find mean Bill Inball? Bill. Yeah. I don't. I don't find Bill Inball funny. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a few bits that he's done before that I thought was funny, but. You know, he, um... Here's your sign. Yeah. It gets old. Yeah, it got old for me growing up because that was also... Anytime you did something stupid or you did something, everybody in the area... Every Here's dad... Your that, sign. Was like, that was like the dad joke of the South for fucking... For 10, Ever. 15 years. It was like, you did something, son, well, you know you don't need to do that. There's your son. You know, just like Bill Engle. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's uh, my your stupid son. Yeah. You know, that, that that did get old. Yeah. But you listen to his other stuff, his other bits that he has besides out there. I mean, he's got he's got some funny stuff. He really does. I mean, even, like his more sexual stuff? Well, I mean, just his other bits that don't revolve around. Like, here's your the, sign. The here's your sign was like the big thing that he, that was like the thing. That, that was the, that was the blue collar comedy tour. That was the, that was the equivalent of Jeff Foxworthy, you might be a redneck. Yeah. That's what that was. Or yeah. Larry the Cable Guy's Get Her Done. That yeah. was like their signature thing. Or you know, Ron like, White's Potato Salad, I guess. Yeah, that was, the, <laughs> that was another thing too. That, that was just a, a whim for him that just stuck. That was just yeah. something that he said that stuck. Um, it, well, I'll say that with all them guys too. They have other bits that just 
those are the things that the, the the things that really got extremely popular with them that just stuck with them, mm-hmm. and that's what what happened. I think a lot with um, with Chappelle too, um, even though he said he left the Chappelle show because there was they were kind of the the whole Hollywood thing, the whole Hollywood yeah. world was getting him to do things he didn't want to do. But there was a lot of things he just. He felt like he was being a, a, a product of, like the the Rick James thing, and or an, unity. Uh, yeah, or an, I'm Rick James, bitch. Like all that, like you know, I think that just became like Clayton a, Bixby. Yeah, the black white supremacist. <laughs> that was pretty great. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's just our like, own Bixby. Yeah, it's it's just like a lot of actors that they they get afraid of being um of typecasted. They get a, you know, typecast and being for y'all that don't know, and if I screw this up, let me know. But actors uh, afraid of getting typecasted is you're an actor, and every role that you get, you basically play the same character, everything you play. If you're a bad guy in one movie, and then they, you keep getting, you know, or you play the dude, like Sean William Scott was a victim of typecasting. He was. For in uh, in the, what was it, American Pie movies mm-hmm. and everything, he pretty much played the same the character. Part of guy. Yeah, or uh, Jim Carrey playing the comedy guy, and then he did then the movie you, the number twenty three. When you saw that, it was like I can't even like this movie because right. he's not even himself. Which is still a great movie too. It's not a bad film. Yeah, even even like a Truman Show, or you look at um, uh, when he did uh, the Andy Kaufman uh, biopic uh, Man on the Moon. Adam Sandler done this himself. Mm. Think about this. Did you see Uncut Gems? Uncut Gems? No, I haven't seen that yet, but I've heard now, nothing but now, good things about that. Now, that it, it the just... thing is like the most serious thing that I would say Sandler was involved in was Click. It's mm-hmm. all Billy or Happy Madison Productions. Yeah. Click was a very serious film, but the thing yeah. about Click is Sandler came out. Yeah. You saw Sandler. Yeah. Uncut Gems mm-hmm. was one of the first films I saw Sandler in. Have been watching him for over twenty years. Yeah, his other movies have been kind of unwatchable. And, and never saw him once. Yeah, I saw Adam Sandler being somebody. Yeah. I saw him being an actor. Yeah, for the first time, mm-hmm. I didn't see Adam Sandler. Oh wow! Yeah, see, I, I've heard that too about the movie. It is just he is just so out of. You know the stereotype or the typecast that what he's done. And people just, don't like he, it. But he just. But he, but he killed it though. Like he, just, he nailed it. But dude. it's just so hard to, cause you're like, ah, it's Adam Sandler, it's Waterboy. Yes, yeah, it's, it's and Billy Madison. And then he Madison. tries to do the serious role, and people can't take him seriously. And that ain't, ain't that what every comedian tries to do in their late career? In a way, in a way. Well, you see with some of these other actors too. Uh, again, back to comic books. Ben Affleck when he got casted as Batman. Or, you know, the people were thinking, oh, he's going to fuck up Batman. He really he wanted Daredevil. that, though. They threw Geely up in his face. They threw Daredevil up in his face. And I think he still killed it. I mean, even before the internet, even before the first, the 1989 uh, Tim Burton movie with uh, Michael Keaton, uh, there was an uproar. I liked him as Vulture in <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> I, st- I still haven't seen those yet, but I've heard he, I heard he did good. But uh, but even when he got cast, when pre-internet, when they found out about it, people were throwing a fit about it. They were like, Mr. Mom's going to be Batman? What the hell, you know? Uh, and then even now with Robert Pattinson getting casted as Batman now. You know, they're throwing up Twilight, Twilight. 
fantastic. Did you ever see The Lighthouse with him and William Dafoe? I've never seen a Twilight. That was the first movie I saw with Pattinson. The first movie I saw Pattinson in was uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. He was a... Uh, oh, I take that back. That was the first Cedric, movie. Yeah, Cedric he was Diggory. a guy. He Cedric was a guy. Diggory. He was a guy in the competition. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah. He I was, was like, that guy. Yeah. So the, the second film I saw... Yeah. That's... After Harry Potter, that's when he... Yeah. You know, that's when he... They were like, oh, we need to get this guy. Yeah. You know, and then he did modeling and everything. Yeah. All right, he could have done... I don't know. But it, anyway, my point is, when, when it was released or announced that he was going to be playing Batman, you know, same thing. Same thing. Everybody People crapped on Ben. Yeah. Same, well, thing. same thing. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger, when they said, you know, he was going to be cast as a Joker. I broke back mountain, you know, and or 10 Things I Hate About You or whatever. Still did a fantastic job, um, you know. And uh, and I'm not gonna lie too. When I heard about Joaquin Phoenix getting cast as the Joker for the Joker movie, which I just I finally got around to watching not too long ago. I haven't watched it yet, but dude, uh, I highly recommend watching that movie. Now, at me as a hardcore Batman comic book fan, there was there was a lot of things that I you know I'm like okay I, you know I didn't like what they did or didn't like, but I understand why they changed what they did. Thought it was a fantastic movie. It was um, at face value, just taking it as a movie. I, well, even that as a comic book character too. It was just it was it was intriguing, and I know a lot of people were worried about oh why are you why are you idolizing this homicidal maniac? I was like well no you're not idolizing you understand that this man is a very that he's feel, a product do, of his society. Well, not only that, but you do you do catch yourself feeling a little bit of sympathy for him, but you still understand that there's, you know, there's there's still no excuse for the things that he did. You know, um, there there's still no excuse for the things that he did. And, you know, it didn't matter like how he came up or whatever, blah blah blah. Um, you know, and there's a lot of people that are, you know, the, the whole thing around it too was also people are like. Oh, if you watch this movie, you're, you know, you're gonna, you know, you have a more likely chance, or we're afraid it's gonna motivate people to commit these atrocities. Um, I think a lot of that too is because it was uh, Todd Phillips who directed the movie. Um, you know, he Martin Scorsese uh, produced the movie, helped produce the movie, uh, and I think a lot of it, what he was taken from, what Todd Phillips did was from this movie. Um, he took a lot of inspiration from uh, The King of Comedy, which was a Scorsese movie, and Taxi Driver, which was also a Scorsese movie. And Taxi Driver was the movie that uh, motivated the guy to shoot Ronald Reagan and because he thought he was doing it for Jodie Foster. So people were thinking, it was like, oh, well, if he's taking inspiration from these movies and this was the outcome of these movies for these things that happened, we're afraid that it may motivate these certain individuals to commit you know, follow the same pattern, uh, and that's that's the thing is, it's like people and that don't came understand. out. Yeah, that came out. Mm-hmm. I remember before mm-hmm. the Joker came out, there was a fear. Oh yeah, and there was yeah. a huge fear of like how society w- was subjecting Joaquin's Joker to be the way that he was. Yeah, there is different. There is differently. Like, that's the thing about movies too. It's the thing about movies is the thing about comedy. You know, it's. It's the thing about how you read a text or how you read a comment on Facebook. It's the way the person that's reading it, they can interpret it differently than another person. Absolutely. Every every 
think about this. Every person that you ever met in your life, each person has a different interpretation of you they than do. another person. And that's the same way. That can be the same way in, in literature, uh, art, anything. Anything, yeah. and it's just you know, and you know, and just as I don't know why there's a lot of people that's just like, oh, these people should believe the same thing that I do. It was like they're gonna have a book club and believe, oh, hey, we read this chapter. Don't you agree? And you yeah. know, and, you know, it's and there's discussion to be talked about it, but there's a lot of people that just want to, you know, uh, when the um, another one of my favorite comic book titles or stories of all time is The Watchmen. Um, I, I, uh, I've recently been watching the HBO show. I haven't finished it yet. Um, and I remember when that was coming out, everybody's like, oh, why is the Watchmen so political? This show is too political. I'm like, did you read the comic? Have you, re- have you read anything that the writer, the creator has, that, that, that Alan Moore has written? V for Vendetta? He's kind of that way. He's kind of, you know... That's what he does. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but not only that, I mean, it's... Uh, I don't... The dude... I, uh, he's a fantastic writer. I love Alan Moore. Don't get me wrong. I think he's fucking out there. I mean, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's out there. But, uh, I mean, t- the stories that he's written... He, he has written probably the most... Matter of fact, right there in my collection, uh, I have a couple of his work. Um, the Killing Joke, which basically that was the first uh, <coughs> origin, written origin story that we've gotten from the Joker. Um, you know, he kind of, that kind of, that origin kind of cemented uh, with the origin that they kind of followed on within the comic book <coughs> in the main continuity for the Joker. Um, with him falling into the chemicals and everything yeah. like they did in the 89 you know Tim Burton, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, which is the way that um, and, and in the animated series, which based around the '89 movie, right? Yeah, with Mark Hamill's Joker, which is the way that we know him. Right, that's how we were, and that's why we have this comfort, like like you said way earlier with mm-hmm. Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah, or even with Joaquin. Yeah, each actor that has portrayed the Joker has, even with Batman too, I think each one has portrayed a different vision. Of that character, I think. I agree. I think each one kind of portrayed a different, because you know each one's directed by a different director most of the time. Yeah. Or some of the time. And that's where you want to pull your weight anyway. Mm-hmm. You're not worried about. I mean, the actor matters, but right. Real talk is the director, and then I producer. Think, yeah, that's who you watch. Yeah. If you if if I trust the director, yeah, it's gonna be good. Yeah. It's um like I wouldn't give the guy the guy who directed Transformers, Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I, I don't watch anything that he does. Yeah, he uh, when I found out he was in the Ninja Turtles, I just I couldn't do it. Squatted, I couldn't do it. Like I knew I I knew deep in my gut it was gonna be a, a bad thing. Total drain. And you know what's bad is there was a, there was some leaked footage and stuff of early development for. For that movie, that and what's wild is he got Megan Fox again, and I was like, I don't care if you get Megan Fox. Yeah, you won't make it <laughs> fine is, enough for me to watch. Not, she is not April O'Neil to me. No. And then the second movie, it's gotta be a redhead. Then they got 
Not only that, I mean, just Megan Fox. I mean, she just, yeah. she can't act, in my opinion. And she's got these big hands. <laughs> I never no, looked at her hands. Oh, my God. I never looked at her and was like, damn, she's got big hands. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I, I went there. I went there. I was like... Well, you're a gentleman, because I wasn't looking at her hands, brother. One time, I don't don't know what scene it was on Transformers, but I remember being like 15 years old and seeing like Transformers, however old it was, and I was like, my God, she's got big, she's got man hands. I'm going to have to go back and watch the movie now and be like, damn, she does got big hands. (laughs) She's got catcher's mitts. Look at her, she can catch a baseball with no glove. Oh, my God. But uh, yeah, I knew the Ninja Turtles. I knew that was gonna. I knew that was gonna be a wreck. And then I saw the first trailer, and I was like, No, yeah. I can't. I can't do it. I can't. I'll take. The I mean, thing. I love. I love the Ninja, Ninja Turtles too. That was another. That's another one of my staples, and in yeah. me, and and uh, also in my martial arts career. And, yeah. You know, and everything. So, um, yeah, I haven't. And that's a bad thing too. I haven't even seen the movies, but I already know just from looking at them. I can tell. I just and I, I don't want to be that guy that's been like, "Oh, that movie's garbage." Well, have you seen it? No, I haven't. Now, how do you know it's garbage if you haven't seen it? I'm like, dude, just trust me. <laughs> you ever seen Transformers? <laughs> Wasn't yeah. good. Was it? See, that was one of those. See, Transformers was. I can't really comment a lot on Transformers because that show or, or the the original show that came out in the '80s. I, I missed that radar. When I was growing up, the only Transformers show that was on was Beast Wars, which was like one of the first early CGI uh, cartoons when they started developing those in the 90s. Yeah. And I loved that as a kid because I'm not a car guy. I'm not an automotive person at all, yeah. you know, which is funny because that's how we met was <laughs> we were working at Automotive Salvage Yard. Me either. Yeah. either. Like, I'm not a don't, car. I, I don't give two craps. I I don't, like, as long yeah. as my car runs, I don't yeah. care. Yeah, me too. I don't I don't get into cars or anything like that. So I wasn't one of those kids that like I had. My dad bought us a bunch of Hot Wheels, but they were all like Dale Earnhardt, like a, like the collector's Hot Wheels. Monte Carlo. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. But I'd never, I never got into it. But um but uh, when I, when I, but Beast Wars was cool because, and I actually have the the first season. <laughs> I have the first season in my collection over there. But uh, but they were cool because they were transformers, but they were animals. Yeah. And then they would transform and you know the robot form and Optimus, which isn't the same as Optimus Prime. This Optimus, his name was Optimus Primal, which was uh, this was actually this show. Come to find out, that show was actually a prequel. To the nineteen eighty four, the the Optimus Prime. So yeah, but that's that's what drew my attention to that. Um, but so I can't really. I've seen some of the Transformers, the Michael Bay Transformers movie, but you know, it's it's, it's just like every other Michael Bay movie. It's like explosions, you yeah. know. So uh, way all overdone. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. I don't know. Oh, he's just, yeah. It's uh, I'll tell you one of my favorite uh, YouTube videos is uh. As uh, the uh, epic rap battles of history. Oh my lord! I love that they did one of the directors. They did uh, Alfred Hitchcock versus uh, Steven Spielberg, and then later on in the in the video, then uh, then Quentin Tarantino shows up, and Stanley Kubrick comes in, and then uh, Michael Bay shows up. Oh yeah, it's fucking great. I love it. It's yeah. it's great. But uh, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> damn. How did we get? How did we get onto this? How did? How did how, damn you, Michael Bay! You keep showing up. Yes, you. Well, Johnny, it's been another 
episode of Pour Salt. Let's cut it off right there. We might pick up in a bit. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. We'll cut it right there. Cool. News and notes. Thank you so much for listening to Porch Talk. If you haven't done so already, I would ask that you would rate, review, and subscribe to the show on whatever platform it is that you're listening to on. We are on the social medias. Facebook, Instagram, and the Twitters. YouTube. Uh, YouTube, if you wanted to slap a still image on your television or some more of the visual things that we do. Uh, we have videos on Facebook as well. You can get involved with the community that way. Enough of that. With your music, this is the Blips Inside Out.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.